This episode of Quality Control is brought to you by Loot Crate. For less than $20 a month, Loot Crate gives you the geek in you a special treat every month. Loot Crate is a subscription box service with $40 worth of geek, gamer, and pop culture gear, collectibles, apparel, comets, etc. There's a ton of great stuff. There was a time travel thing last week, uh, or last month that I was on, and I got a Bill and Ted's Excellent Venture t-shirt and a Sonic Spork from uh, Doctor Who and a cool Doc Brown toy. It was a lot of fun. A little toy hoverboard. It was great. It's a great service. This month, they're bringing you a fight for the ages. Suit up, choose your allies, and enter the arena for combat. They're ready to stand their ground this month with exclusive items from Blizzard, Fallout 4, Capcom sponsor-worthy loot from The Hunger Games, as well as a few more items that will help their winners emerge victorious. Now, you have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive this month's crate, and that's when the cutoff happens. That's it. It's over. So go to lootcrate.com slash control and enter code control. Save $3 on your new subscription today. My guest today is Arthur Geese. He's here to talk about Halo 5 Guardians. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Hi, Justin. Uh, are you, um, ha- how's your fall going? <laughs> uh, I'm currently in a wasteland. Yeah. But, uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think. Literally, right? I mean, you're literally in a wasteland. <laughs> Almost, yeah. With the, with the Fallout 4 review. And then, uh, you got, what? Yeah, like you're not, we're not doing a review on Fallout 4. There's flies. so, the secrets. secrets. So many secrets. Okay. Uh, but right now we're going to talk about Halo 5, a game that is out, and I know yes. it's out because I bought it. it it's been out for money. a week. Yeah. Um, a whole week. A whole week. Uh, let, so we've given the, the dust time to clear. Um, ha, let me ask you this to start off with. Have you gone back and played much Halo? I know it's a very busy time. Have you gone back and played any since the uh, review launched? Uh, I played some last week uh, after it, it launched because I have friends that are actually actively playing it this time. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I have not had the opportunity to go back since late last week for a variety of reasons, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've definitely played it. And I know that Nick Robinson on staff has been playing it basically every night since it came out. Um, do you get the sense that this is the first halo, uh, released like in sort of the post destiny era, I think you could say, or or the current destiny era. Right. I mean, uh, we, we, it is a post destiny era that we are in. Um, and that game is obviously by Halo's creator and it's been a pretty massive success. Did you see anything in Halo five? Have they, have they taken any lessons from destiny that you can detect? I don't, I mean, I don't think that there are lessons that you could take from destiny. Uh, destiny is this sort of weird scenario where they did so very much wrong and still managed to become that success story despite it and then spent more than a year trying to fix it. And in a lot of ways are still trying to fix it. It has probably the most contentious audience in gaming right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I think that there's not a lot that destiny and halo share outside of the very obvious like DNA that they have in common by virtue of like where they came from. Um, 
I gotta be honest, as I, I, I've played every uh, Halo game that, you know, all the first person shooter ones. I don't think I made it through Halo Wars. Um, and I, I gotta be honest, when I fired this up, um, I, I don't remember what's going on. Do you think, the, the, were you in that situation or had you, did you read up? Do you think a lot of people are entering into it that way and, and do, it doesn't matter? I wasn't in that situation, but I also know more about external Halo canon than I think a lot of people do. And also, for some reason, I tend to retain video game stories a little better than most people I know. Um, maybe because I'm trying to professionally pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do think that there is a real issue with Halo and with a lot of long-running narrative-driven, ostensibly, uh, video games in that there's an expectation that you remember with perfect clarity everything that happened before. Uh, and it, something that Halo 4 suffered from that I think Halo 5 suffers less from is a demand of knowledge of outside fiction to really know what's going on. Um, Halo 5 is less bad about that. I think that they make it a point to tell you this is a thing that happened. Here's why it's important. Even if they don't spend as much time on that stuff as I would like, or as I think that they really need to, to make the story hit the way that they want it to. Um, you play in this game as, uh, as, as Locke, in addition to the master chief. Yes. Primarily um, as Locke. As primarily as Locke as it, as it happens. Um, do, do you find that removes any of the, um, I guess is it any less enjoyable to play as a different character? Like the the series is centered on Master Chief for so long, except for with you know notable exceptions like Reach and ODST. Um, does it does it feel that different to be someone who isn't Master Chief? Do you miss Master Chief when you're not playing as him? I think that the only reason that that I ever missed Master Chief at all is really when you're playing as Master Chief. Uh, the thing about playing as Fireteam Osiris, which is Spartan Locke. Uh, as well as uh, three new Spartans, um, which are uh, Tanaka, uh, Buck, and I forget what the other one's name is, although they're all really cool, uh, Vale, um, is that there is a personality there and character development that they get over the course of their levels that is totally absent from Blue Team, which is the Master Chief and his three Spartan two sort of brethren. Um, The game is very clear... Uh, as in it says that they're practically family, that they're orphans, that they were raised together, that they would die for each other, but it only says it, it never really shows it. And without the sort of foils that master chief had in previous games, I don't think that there's a lot going on with that character. Uh, And when you contrast that against what happens between characters with fire team Osiris and those levels, when you play as Locke, I think that it, it, makes it more acutely clear how little character development or, or movement uh, master chief and blue team get. Now you say that they never show that they would give their lives for each other, but I begged a different there. Cause I made those fools show me that they'd give their lives for me as they were trying to revive me many, many times. Sure. Yeah. And I, obviously narratively speaking is what I was talking about, but yeah, that yeah. is, that's a big change. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask how that sort of, I think for me so far, and, I, and I'm not very deep, uh, but like, I, I feel like for me so far, it's maybe made me a little bit more cavalier or yeah. a less cautious than I would yeah. otherwise. I, I think that, uh, I differ from this with someone like Ben Kuchera on staff who felt that uh, co-op 
just really changed the combat loop in a negative way for me. It made me feel a little safer, especially on heroic, which is why I reviewed the game on, uh, to experiment without thinking that I was going to sacrifice an awful lot of time, uh, to do that. And, and in my real personal life playing games, I don't like to waste time. And when I'm reviewing something on a deadline, that's quadruply true. Uh, so I really felt like I could push the game farther and, and further, uh, and, and not be punitively punished for it. One of the weird things about Halo that I'd sort of forgotten is that you're very frequently, like every, I would even say half minute, making these decisions about what weapon you should have on you at any given time, and if it's time to, to swap out. How do you sort of approach that as a player? Um, and, and like, is there a certain, like, uh, loadout that you prefer, a gun that you'll always pick up? How do you, uh, what's your attack plan? So that, I think that's interesting because I, I think that in most of the previous Halos, I've sort of, like, latched on very early to weapons that I liked, which are usually the human weapons. I like the sort of like conventional weapons of the, the UNSC, uh, and stick to those, uh, often to my detriment, I guess, throughout the course of the campaign. Like I would pass up covenant or forerunner weapons because I wanted to stick to the guns that I quote liked or that I felt were most effective. And I think that as the halo series has gone on, there's been gun creep to an incredible degree where in halo four, there were like, two or three dozen weapons and I don't really feel like I understood what the purpose of those weapons were and Mm -hmm. and especially with the foreigner stuff like they would have different functions depending on whether you were what you were doing with them Uh, and I think Halo 5 actually does a pretty good job of going through that weapon lineup and and sort of recalibrating and retooling things to feel more useful Um, and once I got over that sort of halo momentum of not wanting to experiment and just started trying different things. I realized that pretty much every gun in halo five is actually really useful in its own way and not just in certain situations with the exception of like a rocket launcher or a Spartan laser. Um, mm-hmm. And so like the, the forerunner suppressor is an example of a game of a gun that I didn't really like in halo four and avoided for a lot of my time in halo five until I finally felt forced to pick one up and realized that it was an incredibly useful weapon. And it's similar in multiplayer as well. And and I think that that's a small, but very important change that Halo five and three, four, three makes to the series is that they, they really wanted to make guns feel distinctive, but all useful as opposed to a very narrowly applied tool. Uh, I have a, a bunch of questions here from readers, but just ask you a few to go through these. Uh, Halo 4's new weapons and enemies didn't really add anything to the classic shield slash health weapon dichotomy. Has uh, this changed? And that's from Arlen. Uh, I think that there are more levels of Forerunner enemy in the game, uh, the Prometheans. Um, and I and I think that they definitely feel different to fight than the Covenant that you face because they're much more mobile. Uh, the Covenant soldier or the Forerunner soldiers that you fight can sort of teleport uh, and they can move in very unpredictable ways, both when you're targeting and when you're rushing toward them. And that makes you consider the way that you approach and fight in a, in a particular way. Um, and I think that that's interesting. I think it's fun to fight. I, I do think that uh, one of the most visible things about the ways that halo deals with enemy type and variety is that the game is always co-op and that there are always three other Spartans with you. There's always four Spartans on the field and they're always firing. And 
there feels like a very clear attempt on the part of 343 to make sure everyone has something to do at all times. Um, and sometimes that means that there's a lot of crawlers on the screen, the, the dog forerunner things, um, which are more interesting to fight than they were in the last game. But I, I definitely think that it's difficult to manage that many kinds of enemies on the screen. And I think that Halo 5 does a better job of making them each distinctive. Uh, question from uh, Bill. Uh, I have no interest in multiplayer. Is there enough in the campaign to be worth a purchase? Obviously, whether or not it's worth a purchase is pretty tough to answer because, uh, you know, everybody's money is different, but uh, worth different to them. But uh, broadly speaking, is there, um, you know, how does this single player work sort of just as like as a standalone thing? I think the single player level design is really good. Um, I think that it's a very fun campaign. I think that it's got less dead spots than a lot of previous Halos. Um, there are boss fights in it that are atrocious, and I don't understand why they're there. Um, I I think that the story is interesting. I think that there are some interesting ideas that are presented and not really explored, and I think that the ending is more offensive to me offensive is the right word, but whatever is, is more annoying to me than halo twos ending was. And in a very similar capacity or way that halo twos was disappointing for a lot of people. Broadly um, speaking, what can you say about that ending that won't spoil that ending? It's a cliffhanger. It's is a total that, cliffhanger. Offensive to uh, Cause like return of the Jedi did that. Or, or yeah. so it's a cliffhanger. Empire Strikes, back, sorry. Empire Strikes back is brought up as the sort of archetypal good cliffhanger ending but that ended with some resolution for those characters. Like they knew where they stood. They knew where they were going. They knew what they had to do and what the stakes were. Uh, and the converse of that, I think is a movie like say pirates of the Caribbean dead man's chest, which also ended on a cliffhanger, but with no resolution, with no stakes established with very little in the way of, of substantive movement in the plot. That was a movie that, it, that just ended and in a lot of ways, Halo 5, I think, feels like a game that ends as opposed to has an ending. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I uh, uh, David wanted to talk about the baggage that Halo is bringing here. Halo Master Chief Collection had matchmaking issues when playing with the party, leading to frustration, not fun. Does Halo 5 fix this? Uh, I have not seen any multiplayer problems whatsoever with Halo 5. It's been incredibly smooth. Finding matches has been very fast. Uh Again, speaking with Nick Robinson on staff about his experiences playing online so far, as well as the experiences of people uh, that are friends that are playing it, it's been very, very smooth. Um, and I, I think part of that is pretty understandable because where the Master Chief Collection was a series of existing games with entirely different network architecture behind them, uh, which was ostensibly created to run peer-to-peer, as opposed to a, on a dedicated server. Halo 5 is designed to run on dedicated servers, and everything in the game does. Um, so it's a game built for a modern console environment, and I think in that regard it works really well. And also, I think Microsoft knew that they had a lot to prove. Like 343 knew that they'd screwed up with the Master Chief Collection. They knew that they had problems. They knew that... Uh, the community's tolerance or patience for any additional problems would be non-existent. And I think that they they acted with that in mind with the way that they did the game and complete with the multiplayer beta last fall. 
So with previous Halo games, the messaging from uh, Bungie and later 343 has traditionally been that heroic is the way to play it and to really understand, you know, what the game is um, and, and uh, you know, how it's designed. To get the real experience, you got to play in heroic. Is that still the case? And how how difficult are we talking? Uh, I think that the thing about heroic is that uh, and to a much greater degree legendary is that enemies take longer to die, uh, and have more time to display complex AI interactions and behaviors. Um, I think that for combat in a game like this to feel rewarding, you need to be challenged. And the only way you can be challenged is if there's a chance for failure. Uh, and I think that heroic provides enough chance for failure while also not being so punishing that you you can take chances you can try to push the game systems and not feel excessively punished for it um so i don't i don't know about their messaging and and this was definitely like a thing in halo 4 where i thought that the difficulties were a little out of whack but i feel like heroic combined with the the revive system that's in the game, which works even in single player, like your friendly AI will try to revive you. I think that it's a more forgiving game, but I think that heroic remains like the way that you probably want to play it. Uh, Tom had a question. Do you think it is best played cooperatively speaking to the difficulty? Is it enjoyable, more difficult, easier? Do the revive mechanics feel cheap? Uh, I don't think the revive mechanics feel cheap. I had fun playing it single player. That's how I reviewed it. Um, I, I think that almost any game is more fun cooperatively. Sure. Right. Um, I think that like, that's sort of just the way things are. Um, so I, I mean, I, I think that if you can play it that way, it'd be great to play it that way. As long as you're playing with people that aren't skipping every cutscene, that aren't like trying to slam through the game and like dragging you forward and checkpointing checkpoint, pulling you through the game. Like that can get really frustrating. Uh, I think that you should play it in a way that allows you to experience it um, because it's, it's a really like, despite whatever narrative issues it has, it's a beautiful game with some pretty incredible set pieces. Uh, Arthur, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk. I know you're very busy right now. Um, you may not return to whatever game it was that you were playing before this. Um, and maybe when you're playing during, uh, it's, it's hard to say, <laughs> uh, if you want more of this uh, this kind of stuff, we got it for you on Polygon.com. Uh, we got a reviews tab there. You can just click and look at all the reviews. And of course, if you want more quality control, it's available for you wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Uh, if you get a chance to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, gosh, that sure helps us out. And uh, until the next time we have a game to talk about, for Arthur Geese, my name is Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.